positivity allowed inside my day. Nothing but blessings, health, wealth, and love. And the creative spark to express all of the above. I'm talking no limits. See, the stacks have already spent it. And the life have already lived it. The dreams, they are just beginning. I mean, no limits. Prosperity through our retirement. Humanity saving the environment. The highest level of the flyest shit, yeah. Hey y'all, you are listening to another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl, where we discuss all things concerning self-development and bettering our spirit, but from the homie perspective, somebody that's going through the journey day by day, just like you. Hey y'all, it's your girl Maria, and we are back with another episode of The Spiritual Homegirl Podcast. Now today's episode is about growing your own. No, not weed. Growing your own food. And I think with the documentaries that we get uh, nowadays, you know, those are a thing now where people are becoming more aware of what they're eating, which is great. But I think that sometimes we don't necessarily dial it all the way back to the root of things. (laughs) No pun intended. But it starts with the seed. What, What is it about this seed? How do we grow this seed? And when the seed grows, how is it processed? Is genetically modified foods okay or is it not okay? So I wanted to get an expert perspective. So I called Chris Edwards from Mayfloor Farms out in Stockbridge. He's also um, co-owner as well as business manager. And he's a millennial. And he's about maybe I think 32 or 33. But he's been gardening for over 20 years. So he knows his stuff. And he's also studied ethnobotany out in Ghana for nine months. So this is this is definitely a, a man who knows what he's talking about. Now with Mayfloor Farms, he also does consulting. Um, he also does one-on-one um, instruction regarding gardening and agriculture and they also grow produce obviously and they also um, have eggs and things of that nature he goes into that a little bit more in the interview so I don't want to spoil it all the way but we talk about why young people don't farm as much or may not have an interest we talk about why you know black people aren't necessarily as interested in general in mass in terms of gardening we also talk about his experience um, farming and gardening and what they do at Mayfloor Farms and how people can kind of get their thumbs green. Some people think, oh, I don't have a green thumb. I feel like everyone has these gifts in them. You know, if they would, you know, embrace them and tap into them and work on them more. Just like I say, everybody has the ability to heal. Everyone has the ability to grow. I feel like everyone has the ability to garden. If that's something that you would like to do, if you want to embrace that talent and really work on it, you can do it too. Now, I've had my garden for three years. And I must say, working with the soil is really, really, it's something... It's calming. It's a way to reset. If I have a long day, I go to the garden and I pull weeds or I work the soil and it feels really good. It's just something about connecting to the earth that just kind of puts my mind at ease. And it just makes me realize that, hey, you know, I'm a part of this. I'm a part of something way bigger. Whatever little stuff I might be tripping on is nothing at the end of the day. We are all one and I'm connected to the earth in such a way. So, you know, gardening is more than just growing stuff and harvesting and picking fruits and all this other stuff. It's, it's also another, it's on another level. It's an energetic exchange. We talk about that a little bit as well. But um, that's about it. I don't want to spoil the interview too much. But if you do want to reach, want to reach out to Chris, his information is in the interview. So check it out. Let's go. All right. Give me your full name, age, and what do you do at Mayfloor Farms? My name is Chris Edwards. I'm 33 years old. 
and I am the business manager and a farm owner at Mayflower Farms. Okay, who introduced you to gardening and when did you realize that farming was a passion of yours? Uh, my family introduced me to farming at a young age and I discovered the passion about my early teens. Uh, tell me about your work in Ghana. Uh, my work in Ghana consisted of me studying ethnobotany under the late professor Dr. Ando. And I studied there for nine months about five years ago. So that would have been what, 2012. Now you said you studied um, in, in Ghana. What, what exactly did you study? It was ethnobotany. What is that? Uh, yes, ethnobotany. Um, essentially, it's a westernized version of shamanism and traditional medicine. Uh, that's the way I, I see it anyway. Um, and I was fortunate enough to be able to study in Ghana. My professor, uh, who was transitioned, his name was Kweku Ando, uh, Dr. Kweku Ando. He was based in Atlanta. And he taught also uh, overseas in Ghana for many years. So how did that opportunity come about? Were you just like a like a star pupil and he said, hey, I got this opportunity, you should apply or what? Uh, yeah, that and um, before I actually enrolled in this school, uh, I essentially just stalked him, like hung out with him for a long time, uh, for several years. And I think through that experience of him seeing how uh, devoted I was to learning, uh, even before I had money to pay for school, I would just go hang out with him and he'd send me on wild goose chases, go figure out this plan. Even though he knew all that, he just wanted to see my level of dedication to, uh, you know, what I said I was into. Um, and I think through that, those years of just being around him and his family, um, they kind of chose me to continue the business. Uh, they were, um, they had a 21-acre farm in Ghana, and they produced uh, moringa, uh, moringa olufera. So um, I didn't know it at the time, but the professor was ill, and so they were really sort of grooming me to continue the business in his absence. Now, for those who don't know, what is moringa? Um, well, Dr. Endo would call it the uh, tree of life. Uh, it's a very nutritious uh, a tree that's native to the region from uh, the tropics from the west coast of Africa to the east, eastern coast of India. That's the natural uh, habitat of the plant, but it grows all throughout the world now. And also, um, what did you do in Ghana? Like, what was that nine months like? Did you get up and study every day? Did you go to class? Did you, like, what exactly did you do? Uh, I did all of the above. Uh, essentially every morning I would go uh, to a farm and, a, and study an apprentice there. And uh, initially I was studying directly with Dr. Endo, but once he uh, kind of got ill and sick, he came back to the U.S. Um, and then I was studying with another brother there uh, who's also American. His name was Gary Kareem. And uh, he really taught me a lot of uh, agricultural techniques that I employ today. Now, just out of curiosity, I noticed you said Moringa, you know, there's a whole, they actually grow fresh Moringa versus mm -hmm. the Moringa we get in the health stores or what have you. Yeah. What is your take on using the fresh herb versus the supplement version or the processed version? Yeah, uh, well, it's all about just the, uh, the accessibility to it. 
Uh, there aren't, as far as I know, many people growing the actual tree here in the U.S. And it, it does need a tropical environment to, uh, to really thrive. You can grow it in Georgia, but in the wintertime, it uh, essentially makes it, makes it go dormant. Um, so, but I know a few people in South Florida that are actually growing it outdoor in the ground. Uh, but the production isn't large enough where you can really buy pounds and pounds of the fresh leaf. But um, buying the dried leaf is still beneficial. Um, it's better than no leaf, you know. But they do actually sell the fresh leaf now at the Decap Farmers Market, and you can—it's not there all the time, but they've been carrying it a lot more, and it's not cheap. Define not cheap. What's not cheap? Uh, it's going to be maybe two to three times what you're paying for kale. Got it. Is so that you're help? Like a dollar, a dollar per bunch of kale. Yeah, it'll probably be four. Yeah, something like that, yeah. Now for those that are wanting to get involved with herbal medicine, because we already know, you know, Big Pharma has a cure for everything, supposedly, when it really seems to just treat the symptoms. Mm -hmm. But um, for those that are trying to get into herbal medicines and are, you know, trying to dabble in different herbs, what advice would you give them? Or what, like, if there's herbal doctors, how would they find them? Well, I feel that everyone is an herbalist, whether they know it or not. That's my approach. Um, and I would say to start with people that have shown themselves approved, you know? And let's see, what else did I have a question about? Ah, what are some herbs that people need to be aware of, period? There's like a, a, a list of five or ten, any, any herbs that come off the top where you're like, yo, y'all need to know about this and this is why. What herbs are important that you think people should know about? Well, I'll probably say Moringa would probably be first on that list uh, because of its uh, nutritional benefits to, to people. Uh, definitely Neem, uh, and that's also a tree. Uh, neem? Can you spell Neem? Yes, N-E-E-M, Neem. And what you want to um, indulge with is the leaf of that plant, even though many parts of that plant are beneficial, but I'm referencing the leaf. And Neem is, uh, it kills parasites in the body. Uh, it's actually the remedy for uh, malaria, and um, yeah, and you can buy that from uh, usually most of your local health food stores. Um, don't want to name drop anybody because I'm not getting a check for it, but uh, yeah, check out your local health food stores, and they'll most likely carry neem um, in the powder form or even uh, encapsulated in uh, pills because neem is very bitter. There's so many different herbs for so many different things. Um, and there is no one thing that fixes it all. For someone, you know, maca may be more beneficial for you. Um, for someone else, it may not be as strong or beneficial for you. But I would say to start, start with people that have healed themselves with the herbs. If you go to those uh, health food stores, stand around and talk to the people in that section, whether it be the customers or the people that work for the store, start conversation. You know, and people will be able to share their personal experiences with you. Got it. Anything else you want to add? Uh, that's buy black. <laughs> and how did you end up um, starting Mayfloor Farms? I met my business partner in a class through Georgia Organics. It was a business agriculture uh, development class. What is Georgia Organics? Uh, Georgia Organics is an advocacy policy organization uh, based in Georgia.
And um, what's a typical day for you on the farm? Uh, there really is no typical day in agriculture, uh, but a typical day is a long day. Doing what? Everything under the sun. Like what? <laughs> From, you know, feeding animals, weeding, mulching, harvesting, uh, processing, uh, tours, teaching, uh, deliveries. Yeah. What kind of animals do you have on the farm? Uh, we have cows, two miniature Jersey cows. We have about 40 or so uh, laying hens, and we have bees as well. So what would you say are like the spiritual aspects of your work on the farm? Is there anything that you feel that you gain energetically from working the land? Uh, energetically speaking, I would say that it definitely is a way for me to sort of process life, um, the stresses that I'm under. Uh, and I also believe that coming into physical contact with the soil is good for you as well. Why? Uh, well, there's an energetic exchange between the earth and yourself. So what, um, well how important I should say, is it for people to grow our food, you know, our own food, if at all? Uh, it's essential, I believe, because if you aren't feeding yourself, your enemies will. Um, with, well I think it's interesting you said enemies, because there's so many things that um, people or organizations do to uh, compromise the integrity of our food, what are some things that the average consumer needs to look for in terms of these inconsistencies or these things that aren't necessarily as natural as it appears to be? Well, there's a coating system um, for produce that you would buy in a typical you know, grocery store. Um, and there's basically three different labeling techniques. Um, there's, a, there's two that are four-digit numbers, and those four-digit numbers will either start with three or four, the three implies that it's genetically modified. The four implies that it's conventionally grown, which means that it's uh, most likely grown with pesticides and herbicides. And the third option is a five-digit number that starts with the number nine, and that indicates that it's organically produced. But one way to bypass all of that is to buy from a local farmer that you can go and see for yourself how they're growing. You know, what is your take on uh, genetic, excuse me, genetically modified um, fruits and vegetables? I know I saw this thing on um, a program, I think it was Bill Nye, and he tried to make it seem as if it was, you know, oh, well, they're just producing one thing with the other, and it's not really that serious, and everyone's all scared, and I still think that they didn't quite answer the question in terms of the dangers mm -hmm. of genetically modified organisms. Like, what do you, what is your take on GMOs? Uh, I feel that it's an unnecessary process. Um, the whole rationale for creating genetically modified organisms was to be able to feed people more and feed them in a better way and they haven't reached that goal so what is the real goal that's that's a pretty good question so um a concern that i saw was with roundup mm -hmm. and um i'm trying to remember the documentary that i saw it was basically about how there were some seeds with Monsanto about how Monsanto was sending seeds to patient farmers trying to make them um, grow their seeds or mm -hmm. try to make it seem like it was a beneficial exchange. Hey, we'll help you know, send you some food or mm -hmm. help feed you guys. You know, with the tragedy of the earthquakes as well, they're still recovering from that. And some of the Haitian farmers were like, no. Mm -hmm. But it's to the point now where some of those types of seeds with this particular um, 
I'm not really sure what Roundup is, so feel free to educate me on this. Sure. But it's to the point where some of the influence is now starting to involuntarily take over other people's mm-hmm. land that they use to grow their own. Can you share some insight on that? Sure. Okay, it's, a, it's kind of a lot, but I'll try to break it down. Uh, Roundup is an herbicide. Mm-hmm which means it kills plants, right? But what they've done is engineered plants to not be affected by that herbicide, right? So let's say I'm growing corn or whatever crop, I'll plant what's considered Roundup Ready corn. So I can spray my entire field with that poison and all the other plants will die except the corn, right? So what is that? Number one. Okay, and so what they try to do to a lot of impoverished countries or what's considered third world countries is you can, you have, you're forced to buy the seed from that company, right? So they lock you in, and right? And so a lot of those seeds actually don't even produce seed. You have to continuously buy from them. So you're unable to save the seed and grow for yourself. So it's, it's really just a, an economic hustle on the people. And they also are poisoned in the process because those poisons are still on the plant. It's still in the soil. So you end up absorbing all those chemicals and God knows what is the outcome of that. Mm-hmm. Well, you broke that down. Yeah. <laughs> it's a pretty, it's a, it's a harsh reality, but um, that's, that's, that's pretty disappointing to know. Um, why do you think so little black folks today get into agriculture? Uh, I would say my take on that is that uh, we've got a bad taste in our mouth uh, due to slavery. So when you start to talk about, so when you start to talk about, you know, hard work in the sun and laboring for hours and hours, I think a lot of us have been conditioned to shy away from that due to our experiences with that. But you don't want to let uh, your past experiences take you away from your own uh, wealth and, and health. So it's really about, for me, is uh, sort of creating your own path in agriculture. And it doesn't take much land to feed yourself and your family. Okay, so why do you think so uh, little young people, or people in our age group, you know, 18 to 35, or what have you, how come, what is your take? Why do you not think that we're into agriculture? Uh, because there's no app for it. Uh, <laughs> I mean, not to be silly, but yes. Yeah, I feel like our generation, we've kind of been um, programmed to be turned away from nature. You know, it's like convenience is what we're, where our goal is. And agriculture is not a convenient sort of thing. It doesn't really fit into that mode of operation. But uh, there's a few of us starting to kind of wake up and see the importance of uh, growing our own food. saying it doesn't take a lot of land um, to grow for you and your family for those who might not be uh, too sure or might need a number mm-hmm. what would be a, a number or a, a plot size or what have you or a land space that would be sufficient uh, okay well when I say feed your family I'm talking about a vegetarian diet so I'm not including you know cows and chickens in this uh, description but if I had to break it down into square feet or you know bed length if you had 300 or 300 foot rows you could feed a family of at least two to three with several different crops you know you know variety of different things whether it's kale collards corn you know you name it and the excess you can trade with your neighbors and hopefully they're doing the same thing you know? 
Um, also, I think that's that kind of brings me to like my next point. I think it's a good idea for people that have similar ideas to link up mm-hmm. and um, you know buy a plot of land or even you know rent a plot, do whatever it needs to be done in terms of just partnering up and then growing for everybody involved. Mm-hmm. That's called a co-op, is it not? Um, to a degree. Yeah, I guess that's a type of co-op. Yeah. What I mean, what are the importances of, of having a co-op or being able to, to partner up and get or acquire land to, to grow? Well, I, I think it, it strengthens the community. I think in our day and age, it's really easy to not have those strong bonds with the community. So through agriculture, that's one way to sort of reinforce and strengthen those bonds to one another. You know, if you're, let's say your friends or your associates down the street are growing, they're good at the tomatoes and you're good at kale. Well, now you guys have a relationship built where they, they're going to need kale and you'll need tomatoes. So you guys are able to come together in those ways and maybe even have potlucks, you know. So for those who aren't interested in gardening at all, maybe there's no app, maybe they like convenience. How important is it to support our local farmers? Well, even if you're not into doing the work yourself, you should definitely still support those doing the work. You know, and you can do that uh, in a lot of different ways. Uh, some farmers have what's considered a CSA, which is a community-supported agriculture, and that's essentially like a subscription to the farm. You pay in advance, and then each week you pick up a basket. That's one mode. Uh, you can support local farmers markets. That's another good way to do it. And also uh, support restaurants that buy from local uh, farmers. Now, just out of curiosity, you know we have a couple of farmers markets in Atlanta, and mm-hmm. you know we have. Um, I know Seven Nanda uses local farmers. Mm-hmm. Um, the cab. I'm not sure about the cab, and I'm not sure about Buford. Are they local? Do they use local farmers? Uh, not that I'm aware of. And when we say local, uh, we're talking about relatively immediate to the yeah. place of distribution. Uh, they do have some South Georgia uh, farming crops in DeKalb, count, uh, DeKalb Farmers Market, but I'm not sure if those are organic uh, produce or not. Okay, um, so for those who are interested in growing their own food but they don't know where to start, like what are some tips that you could share with them? I would say the easiest thing to kind of just jump into growing things is start with herbs. You can grow those in, not even necessarily outside. You can grow them on a windowsill just to kind of, you know, get indoctrinated into what growing is, what, how long it takes to seed to germinate, all those things. So I would say herbs is probably the easiest place to start. So what about like soil? Some people, do they need potting mix and should they just go outside and just go take some soil or what? Uh, The best thing is to visit a farm, visit a local community farm and you'll most likely be able to access compost and what compost is is literally just decomposed matter that turns into healthy soil, you know. Okay, Um, what about those in urban areas that do not have yards, how how could they go about growing their own food? Uh, You can grow in pots, Uh, you can even grow tomatoes and watermelons and all those things in pots. And if you don't have a space where you're living, say you live in a condo or something of the sort, uh, there are community gardens that you can support and, you know, purchase a plot there as well. Okay, and for those who, um, you know, we all live in different areas, different zones, and there's mm-hmm. different things around season, different zones, right? Mm-hmm. So how can people find what's available to grow in their zones? Like I know there's charts and things online, but mm-hmm. how can people actually read the seed Pack it and determine it and actually interpret it correctly. I know people that still do that, mm-hmm. and they still don't, they still can't interpret it correctly. Well, that's where it kind of gets 
you can kind of get lost in the details of, of the words. Uh, and those zones are called hardiness zones. And you definitely can see that online. It breaks down, you know, based on your geography, what is the best time and what crops you could potentially grow. But keep in mind that our climate is changing. So things are changing by the moment. So look at those as mainly as just as guides, not a, a bona fide sort of thing. Okay, and what are some resources that we can find, like books or websites, that aspiring gardeners can utilize? Oh man, there's so many. Um, I would recommend not just reading from a book, but going and meeting people. Visit a farm, go to a community garden, because you're going to learn much more hands-on than you would from a book about agriculture. Now also, um, what is your view on pesticides? Because I know, you know, we've talked about Roundup, but, you know, all organisms that kind of free to roam the earth, they don't necessarily mean that they're all good for our plants. Mm -hmm. So how can you sub between invasive species and those that actually help in our gardens? Mm -hmm. Well, my approach to uh, controlling our pest management is that I don't, let's say I, there's a problem with thrips or aphids on the farm. I don't immediately go for even an organic uh, pesticide because there are uh, organic pesticides. But what I like to do is create an ecosystem that's balanced. And what I mean by that, if I do have a pest, there's a predator for that pest, right? And the predators won't necessarily be there if there is no pest. You get what I'm saying? So if I'm, if there's a problem with, uh, you know, uh, cucumber or uh, moss, uh, the wasp will actually eat the larvae. But if I spray, it will keep the wasp away. So you get what you get yeah. what I mean? So you're actually, yeah, you're you're doing too much. Yeah. So what I like to do is allow a little bit of the pest to be there to bring in the predator species to keep that in control. The only time I'll actually spray an organic, uh, you know, pesticide is if for whatever reason, I, I'm not able to encourage those predators to, to come. And you can also buy predators and introduce them to your farm. You can buy ladybugs, you can buy uh, lacewing, and they will kind of manage as well. Now, at Mayflor, do you guys sell on the farm? And you, you guys do farmer's markets, correct? Mm -hmm. So what is, for those who've never been to a local farmer's market, what is that experience like? What should people expect? Uh, it's going to be a totally different experience and most likely you'll meet the people that are the actual growers, not uh, just a representative of the farm. Um, and we don't do on-farm sales at Mayflower Farms, but we do have a pickup for our CSA members and that's every Wednesday uh, from 10 to 4. Mm -hmm. Also, um, with what you were saying about growing. What are your favorite things to grow? Um, it's kind of hard to, to break it all down to favorites, but I guess fruits are the probably the most rewarding because those usually take a little bit longer to grow. So those are kind of, you know, the most satisfying because you wait so long to get them, you know. So what life lessons have gardening has gardening taught you? I know for me, since I started, it's taught me a lot about patience mm -hmm. and a lot about effort. What what has gardening taught you? Oh man, it's kind of hard to sum it up. Um, but yeah, definitely uh, patience um, and also timing. You know, I noticed that everything does come in its own time and its own season, and to try to live outside of that is stressful. It's like you're creating problems that don't necessarily need to be there.
Any other lessons? Um, no, not not. I mean, not any new lessons. I, I mean, yeah, that's. I would say that's pretty much it. You know. So, what about animals on the farm? I know you're a vegetarian. Well, you're vegetarian, correct? Correct. Mm -hmm. So, what is your? I'm trying to work this question. What is your view on? those who have farms to slaughter the animals? Mm -hmm. Well, uh, I don't try to dictate to other people what their life choice, style choices should be, but me personally, I don't consume uh, animals um, or dairy uh, for that matter. Um, our animals are for egg production and we sell those to CSA members and at the farmers markets. And our cows are actually uh, dairy cows um, but we mainly use them for manure. We don't actually uh, milk them anymore. Mm -hmm. And the bees, of course, you know, the honey and the wax and things like that. But I'm not, uh, I'm not against other people, you know, growing uh, animals for their consumption. Everyone makes their own choices. You know. Understood. Now, I remember, um like hearing like you know my grandma and them talk about like almanacs how important it is to have an almanac mm -hmm. but i mean that was so many years ago um i know people are also talking about planning by the moon mm -hmm. what are your views on using guides and stuff such as the almanacs and moon cycles yeah i think almanacs are kind of like hidden treasures you know a lot of people at least in my age you don't even know what that is and you get more in an almanac than just about you know when to plant there's a lot of knowledge and information in there that I feel would be beneficial to most people. And definitely planting by the moon is recommended, but you're not limited to that. You know, um, I think your productivity and your... I'm trying to think of a way to put it. The Planting by the moon is uh, it's good to follow that, but sometimes the moon cycles don't coincide with the money. And so there's a balance there. You, know. you said that coincide with the money? Yes. And Bills have to be paid. Oh, yeah, got it. Yeah. And if I'm waiting to harvest something because, you know, the moon's telling me to do it, I'm probably going to lose out in some ways. So I just use that as a reference more than like my my guidebook. Yeah. yeah. It's, a, it's a guide for you, you know. Now, I just, I just realized, I jumped the gun and I said almanac. Can you please describe what an almanac is for people that are completely unaware? Uh, I'll try my best. Okay. Um, an almanac is really sort of like a, a guidebook, essentially. It's like, I don't even know how to, to put it in words. It's so, um, it's informative in many ways. Um, it, it definitely tells you about planting. It also talks about uh, astrological alignments. Um, there's even stats and statistics on um, society and culture. It's sort of like um, I'm trying to think of something equivalent to it. It's like I don't want to say Bible because that might offend some people, but it's uh, sort of like a, a chronology of years past and recommendations based on those uh, years. Got it. And one more thing that I, I just realized. You said you do classes at Mayfor, yes. right? So what kind of classes do you teach? Uh, we usually start with basic agriculture, um, uh, basic gardening, sort of 101 introduction to agriculture. And then from there we provide um, higher levels, 
as well for intermediate and advanced level classes as well. And uh, where is Maplewood Farms located? It's located 1206 Old Conyers Road, uh, and that's in Stockbridge, 30281. And uh, it's Henry County, it's about 30 minutes south of Atlanta. Okay, now you currently taking open students for these uh, agricultural classes? Yes. Are they, do they meet on a weekly basis, a monthly basis, or what? I really base it on how many people are signed up at the time. So I kind of let the class dictate a lot of those uh, choice decisions. Okay, so hypothetically, if someone had a group of people and they had a plot of land and they want to know how to actually prepare that land for, um, for gardening or just for growing, mm -hmm. would you be open to traveling? Do you do traveling courses as well? Yes, but that seems like more of a consultation as opposed to a class, but I can do um, classes remotely as well. Okay, All right, now do you have anything else that you wish to add regarding um, just the overall topic of gardening or how important it is to grow our own food or how we can get children involved mm -hmm. with growing food or anything like that? Yeah, I'll kind of state my point earlier. Uh, if you don't feed yourself, your enemies will. And if that doesn't motivate you, then it's time to look deeper into what's going on. You know? Also, what is your take on, um, I've always believed the cures come from the earth. And mm -hmm. I think sometimes that we get told otherwise. Mm -hmm. What is your view on, on that statement? You said cures? Well, yes, the cures come from the earth. Well, definitely. Um, to quote the Bible, the herbs are for the healing of the nation, you know. Um, why would I take something synthesized from nature when I can go straight to the source and bypass the middleman, you know, and be in control of my health? Do you believe um, farmers are, are treated fairly? What do you mean by fairly? Fairly in terms of, I mean, like it's a very... Compensation wise? Yes, compensation as well as with... The, I mean, I, I don't want to speak on something I don't know, but it seems like how we get, like let's say we go to Publix and we get, or Kroger or Walmart and we get produce. It seems like the farmer may not, to me it doesn't seem like the farmer gets their just due when it comes to being able to have the know, the know-how and the skill set and the knowledge to make food for us to eat and consume. That's a big deal. So I think it seems like, and again, I don't know much about farming, but it feels to me like the distributor gets a better cut than what the farmer should be getting. That's, that's what I kind of mean. Mm -hmm. Well, yeah, um, the knowledge of how to uh, grow food isn't valued as much as it has been in the past. And most of the people doing the actual labor and field work, for lack of a better term, are enslaved. You know, if you're making 2 $3 a day or $5 an hour, that's essentially slavery. I mean, you're stuck in that role, you're stuck in that position, and there aren't many options to get out of that. You know, so yeah. You know, and hence that's why a lot of younger people aren't into that, because you're not gonna get your Maybach farming. You know. <laughs> Understandable. Yeah. Is there anything else that you wish to add? Uh, no, pretty much. You know, uh, don't be afraid. Get in the dirt. The bugs don't hurt. Get dirty. Yeah. Unless there's a spider that bit me uh, last Saturday, but that's another story. <laughs> that was more of an animal totem telling me to um, initiation. Yeah, exactly. Get things cracking. So, mm -hmm. with that being said, can um, how can people get in touch with you? Uh, you can reach me uh, via email at chris at mayfloorfarms.com. That's M-A-Y-F-L-O-R farms plural. 
And I'll give you my phone number, I'm not afraid. Uh, 404 953 3528. Does Mayfloor have a website? We do have a, a website. It's mayfloorfarms.com. And again, that's M A Y F L O R, farms with an S. Good deal. And that was today's episode. I'm open to hearing all feedback, good, bad, ugly, indifferent, what have you. You can definitely hit me up at spiritualhomegirl.com or um, Instagram, Facebook, YouTube, Spiritual Homegirl. I'm on Twitter at Spirit Homegirl. Uh, like and subscribe, send a review, share with a friend. I'm also on SoundCloud and Apple Podcasts as well. I'm not really shipping on the SoundCloud drama right now. Everybody always be freaking out about stuff. We'll wait until those wheels fall off until we start making moves. But when I do, or if I do make moves, you'll be the first to know. Also, <laughs> I wanted to send another note of gratitude out of all of the podcasts that are popping up day in and day out. You choose to give me an hour of your time every week, and I really appreciate that. I know that sounds cliche, like, girl, you said that every episode, because I mean it every episode. It's, it's a thing for me. You know, giving gratitude is very important. No listeners, no show. So thank you all for um, for checking me out. Matter of fact, I think I'm just going to start shouting people out. I think that's very important. Um, Leslie Fender, thank you very much. You've been down from the very beginning. O'Horton, you've been down from the very beginning. Cotton 87 you've been down from the very beginning. White Chocolate, he's been down. Dr. Truth MD's been down. Miss Binks 101's been down. Darling D has been down. Curls and Cuisine has been down. Um... Who else? This is so many people that's been dope. That's like hit me up a lot. It's like, y'all are really cool. <laughs> it's a lot of y'all. But I think I need to start doing a little more. I want to start shouting out people. Like, y'all are super ill. Thank y'all for checking the show out. Or thank you for supporting me, period. Like, that's that's really dope. Like, I, you have no idea how much I appreciate that. But anywho, it is time to go ahead and start getting uh, the next episode up and running. So I have some work to do. But I just wanted to send y'all some love and some gratitude. Um, but that's about it. You know how to find me. My name is Maria. This has been another episode of Spiritual Homegirl. And remember, trust the journey and trust yourself. Peace. Stay clear. Stay clear. Out my way. Out my way. Keep them problems in the past we had in yesterday. God bless you. And your loved ones. Be thankful where you at. Don't forget where you come from. I'm talking no regrets. See the past and past us by, and the future's on the horizon. But right now is where we live life. Ain't no rejects. All you have to do is believe. Just asking you receive everything that's meant to be.